0: Really glad you're here that I normally get a chance to talk to you and that sort of thing because I don't know if this is true about you, but I, I'm actually not all that comfortable talking to strangers anymore. I mean, uh, not for the reasons we were when we were kids, but uh, random people, the guy who sits at Walmart, you know, um, taking uh, donations for the vets, uh, he's probably a really nice guy, but I don't. I don't make eye contact and I... Kind of move away, and uh, people at, at trader joe 's um, if they 're looking at one of my favorite products, maybe where I used to you know strike up a conversation, now I kind of just don 't because i don 't want to be creepy you know or that guy, so I avoid that, um, and no way am I ever giving advice to somebody with a child or a dog doesn 't matter what they 're doing um, and I seldom enjoy receiving. Uh, feedback and advice from strangers often it's negative uh, you know a honk torn or something but even if it's well meant there's a little you know voice in my head a question you know what do they want from me what you know what what's this leading to so really we're, the light world can be kind of lonely we can be all by ourselves um no matter how many people around us because we've kind of sometimes at least I feel like I've lost that engagement and uh, I wonder if if Church can be a place where we can engage with one another. It is, is church, should church be that sort of place where we can engage and connect and that sort of thing? And our text from Colossians 3.16 is going to um, give us just that kind of an environment. So listen to Colossians 3.16. It says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another, With all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That sounds like something I'd like to be a part of, Uh, and we're going to dig into that. uh, But just before we do, um, to give us some insight, let me me compare two environments that I've experienced in church and that I've experienced elsewhere and that you probably have as well, Uh, One is, the first environment is working beside strangers, just working beside strangers. And the other is working with engaged participants, two different kinds of things. Uh, The first one, working beside strangers, is a very familiar experience for any of us who belong to a gym. So I don't know how many of us do, but um, whether you do or not, you've probably seen the, the the long rows of treadmills. So, uh, right, is this a familiar picture? You've probably seen this sort of thing. Uh, And what's going on is that people are working out really hard alongside strangers. And believe me, you're this close to each other, but you don't talk. And you don't glance at the other person. And you certainly don't give them any advice and um, it, it's a very strong social norm because um, people want to feel safe. And it's already a vulnerable situation. You're wearing your sweats. You're wearing your workout clothes. You're sweating. You know, it's not your best uh, foot forward if you're trying to meet somebody. And so um, we, uh, no one likes, you know, to get stared at or hit on uh, or judged um, And uh, it makes for a very lonely experience in the gym. um, So the social norm is to work out beside strangers, but don't engage them, right? And uh, so uh, I've been a member of a gym for two years. Okay, and seriously, two times people have talked to me. Now, it is, when you walk in from the street, people greet you, and, and you're in the locker room, and you might say hello to somebody. But on the floor of the gym, two times, it, hundreds of people around me, two times people have talked to me. Once, a fellow uh, was working out, exercising next to me, and I was kind of like grunting out the last couple reps in, a, in, a, in my third set. And it was uh, all I could do. And, and when I dropped the weights, he was like, good job, way to go, you know, way to push through. And I was like, well, thanks, you know, and I, that felt good. Um, the second time was a woman half my age, I was uh, doing some kind of stretching exercise, and she was doing a stretching exercise next to me, and she said, you should try this. And I'm like, if I tried that, they would take me out on a stretcher. You just <laughs> um, So those are the two times people have talked to me. Um, other than that, uh, I work alongside 100 strangers. Now, in contrast, the second environment uh, is that one where we work with engaged participants. And I had that experience when I went uh, for my first time to an ultimate Frisbee uh, game. Now, they call it ultimate. It's not ultimate Frisbee, but we would call it ultimate Frisbee. But people who play it, it's ultimate. And, uh, but it's, play- it's like soccer, but it's played with a Frisbee. And uh, it's played on a soccer field, and you run up and down with this Frisbee. And a friend of mine played a lot. He was an enthusiast, and uh, he invited me to play. So I showed up early uh, to the field. And uh, my friend wasn't there, but another fellow was. And so I just want to paint this picture for you. Unlike the gym, where in two years, almost no one has spoken to me, in less than two minutes, this fellow walked up to me because I looked like a newbie. And uh, okay, so this guy looks like Tom Cruise, like one of these guys, you know, in the outfit just like this, you know, and um, uh, the The workout shirt, the sports pants, the the knee-high socks, the shoes with cleats. I mean, this guy knew what he was talking about, and uh, he greeted me. He confirmed that I was first time. I didn't know anything, and he said, "Do you mind if I run some of our uh, rules and you know how we play the game by you?" And I'm like, "That'd be great." And so, in about three minutes, uh, he told me. And the thing to know about ultimate is that. Uh, we're trying to get the Frisbee to that end, and you throw it, and you can run around wherever you want, but you have to throw the Frisbee forward, and when you get the Frisbee, you have to stop. You, have to, you can't move once you have the Frisbee. So, okay, that's great. So off we went, and I got invited out to the field, and I was playing, and uh, an interesting thing happened. No one threw me the Frisbee. <laughs> And, uh, you know, they were very friendly, and once or twice I got, but mostly I was wide open, you know, jumping up and down, waving my arms, and no one was throwing me the Frisbee. Which, you know, I'm like, well, okay, maybe, I don't know why, maybe I'm new, or, you know, I don't know, I don't know. So, at a break, I found Tom Cruise, and um, (laughs) I told him about this, and I said, do you, am I doing something wrong? And he said, well, as a matter of fact, you are. So he said, Here, now that I had played a little bit, he could explain it to me. He said, so, you know, all of this, that's the field, all of this. And we're throwing the ball that way, the Frisbee that way, and they are blocking us, like, you know, with hands up and all of that. How do you throw a Frisbee? So immediately, that side is blocked. They can't, they can't throw it to anybody over there because, you know, and all somebody has to do is stand right here, and it's not going to go there. So, so that is the dead zone. Guess where I've been hanging out? <laughs> I'm over there wide open because everybody knows on both teams, they can't reach me. They can't get the Frisbee to me. So um, not only am I no use to my team, I'm actually hurting my team because anybody who would normally be blocking me, can come over here and you know block over here where everybody else is, everybody 's over here. Wow, thank you so much. Here, a complete stranger is giving me negative feedback, correcting me after i 'd barely known him i didn 't even know him and and I was grateful for it. Why? Because I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to grow, I wanted to know how to do it. so I have a question for you um, is What's your experience at church? Do you, do you want people to give you feedback, to help you, to help you grow? And do you ever say, you know, I'm thinking, i got a problem and I'm thinking about this. Do you, what do you think? Um, you know, is that how we are? So uh, as soon as the break was over, off I went. I went into this area. I was with the rest of them. We were all playing, you know, normal and I got the Frisbee. And uh, uh, so the point is, we can be in a group where we participate alongside other engaged participants when all of us are 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 trying to grow we're trying to do something together it's a team it, we're all we're all about it together um, so it's important how we understand church is church an individual activity like treadmill on a gym at a gym or um Is it a group activity like Ultimate? Uh, And how we think about church determines how we interact with those around us. Because the very same behavior that we would say thank you for at an Ultimate game would be reported to the gym management at the gym. This guy keeps bugging me and telling me what to do, right? It's all about what's our expectation, So in my years of church leadership and also my lifetime in the church, my impression is that many people express a desire and a commitment and really think that what they want is the the engaged experience of community, but what they really practice is the individual isolated sort of, you know, leave me alone kind of experience like we're working out at the gym with strangers. We want to be a part of a group that's growing, a community, part of a team but, but our world is so invested in autonomy, personal freedom, you know, me, myself, and I don't, you know, nobody gets to tell me what to do, that it's hard to let down our defenses and let other people in. Um, but on our best days, we want a place where we belong, where it's important to, ha- to have others that we, um, that we are grateful that they're there, they're happy that we're here and um, we want to be in a place where we're known. And so here's my question. Is that anything like what the authors of the New Testament uh, were hoping for us? Absolutely. It's, it's right here in this text. You can't have this text and have experience it in an individual uh, kind of experience. <clears throat> Our text gives us a way to have a helpful interaction uh, and a sense of belonging where we are safe to share and to be known and it's where we can the first point join the group we need to join the group so here's the guy he's he's part of ultimate and he's he's got he's he's a part of the group and the text says let the message of christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another now the reason i say well you have to join the group is because of this last part as you teach and admonish one another Um, And I first want to say, here we are back again with that word, let. Last week, we saw this word, let, when we said, let the peace of Christ dwell in you richly. We said that in Colossians 3, 1 through 17, the first 14 verses, the word let is never included. It's always direction. Do this, do that, set your heart on, put to death, therefore, clothe yourself, all of these commands. But now when we get to these next two, last week's let peace and this week's let the wisdom of Christ, the author knows we, he can't make us. He can't make us do this. We have to choose it. We have to make a decision that we are going to let this happen in us. And um, so we are going to let wisdom, and uh, we can shut it off or we can let it in. And at its best, the church is a community of people, uh, not a collection of individuals. And why is that so important? For the same reason, uh, a person will happily take advice from somebody at a game and report them at the gym because it's it's our expectation of what we're looking for. So here's the reason why it's so important that we are participants. The verse says um, that we are to teach and admonish one another. Hmm, okay. I'm pretty sure all of us would be okay with teach. Yeah, uh, you know what? I've heard Susie teach. She's great. That's awesome. Um, And uh, we can, you know, you can teach me. Uh, I'd be interested in what you know about the Bible. Yeah, but I need to admonish you. Oh, no. You don't get to admonish me. Wait, what does admonish mean again? Oh, yeah. Reprove, correct, reproach, critique, yeah, you don't get to do that to me. I, I, now it's starting to sound like a cult, right? It's like, this is, this is creepy. I, I didn't sign up for this. Um, and we aren't in the habit of doing that, of admonishing one another. And we're not going to start. Don't worry. Um, but are we wanting to grow in our faith enough to the point that we're willing to accept positive and even negative feedback about ourselves? Does faith matter in our lives to the point where we want to get it right? like the ultimate game, and are willing to be corrected when we got it wrong. Or does that even sound invasive and creepy? Maybe a little bit of both? It's the difference between seeing it as ultimate and seeing it as a gym. Uh, Different expectations. Uh, uh, But the call, the challenge, the invitation of Colossians 3.16 is to let, let the wisdom of Christ dwell in you and teach and admonish one another. Um the followers of Jesus who experience God's living word together, even to the point of being able to do that for one another. Uh, And so what's interesting about that is um, Colossians 3.16 is not the famous 3.16 text, right? That's John 3.16. But if we get it right about what Paul is saying to us about we need to grow in community, we might look at John 3.16 a little differently as well. So um, take a look at this famous verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now that's where we usually put the emphasis, uh, eternal life. And it means perpetual, everlasting. That sounds good. We'd like that. Um, uh, so, but is it by ourselves, all alone? So the movie Passengers, um, a few years back, starred Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, and they were two passengers who were put to sleep on a spaceship along with hundreds of others, and they were heading to a new world, and it was going to take them 100 years to get there, but they were in cryogenic sleep, so they would wake up and they'd still be the same people they were when they took off. (coughs) Except that Chris Pratt woke up early. He woke up like 12 years into... A 100-year journey. So suddenly, he's very much aware he's going to die on this ship before it gets to its destination 100 years, 90 years later. But it's not that bad, because he has access to the, to the real luxury class, and so he can have anything he wants to eat. He's got robots to talk to him. He's got, you know, any entertainment, basketball courts, swim, every, anything he wants by himself he has basically everlasting by himself life. Is that what, and it practically drives him insane. Who wants that? Who wants wants life eternal by ourselves? It's communal. So take a look at John 3.16 again um, with a different set of emphasis. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So whoever does not mean um, each individual. The phrase means all, every, the whole, everyone. It's a communal word. It's a collective word. Of course it means that all of us individually, but there is in it a collective component that says everyone, all of those, all of us who believe, there's a community component to it. And <clears throat> so, is the best church, the best churches, uh, are they the kind that encourage and challenge and even require members to, have, to be accountable to one another, to really be in community <clears throat> or not be part of the church? There are churches that teach that. <clears throat> and again, I would say, ooh. <laughs> That's not what we want. Uh, and, by the way, the text does not say, um, let the wisdom of Christ be preached to you from the leadership and all the rest of you listen to it. It says, let it dwell in all of you richly and teach and admonish one another. It's about all of us together. So, no, Um Uh, What sounds great for an ultimate game doesn't sound quite as great for a church. Uh, And my ultimate experience was not about the ultimate leadership telling all the rest of us do this, do that. It was about all of us. In fact, I was I was talked to. Tom Cruise was just a guy who played. Uh, And uh, the best churches are also for people who are at a place in their lives where they just need a safe place to worship personally, without having to sign up for all the rest. The church needs to be a place where people can come by themselves, alone. They're at a place in their life where they just need a safe place to be with God amongst a group of friendly people. Um, and so that we need to be both. We need to be both of those. Um, and having a group of people that we trust enough to share our lives with takes time. We, it isn't just like, hey, we're glad you're new with us get in a group with us now, you know. So I have a next step for you. Um, it, it, to, to, to come to a place where you have a community that you believe in and, and love and, and, are, and are connected with, just start with one. I'll bet you there's a person in your life um, that, uh, whom you trust and would accept teaching from and even be admonished by. I have a number of them. And formalize that relationship by writing them a note and thanking them for being someone you trust with your personal growth. Don't you think they'd appreciate that? A friend of yours that you say, hey, I just want you to know, I really am grateful for your input in my life. And I, and I, I just want to let you know that I, I trust you uh, with good input for me. And I, I, I think God speaks to me through you. I'd love to get a note like that. Send somebody a note. Um, so, but, okay, so I've, I've drawn this picture. The gym or ultimate, is there middle ground? Yes. Uh, metaphorically, we can join a spin class. All right, so do you know spin? So listen to the rest of the text. With all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So there's an element of this relation together where we are doing something together. And this says, with all uh, hymns and and psalms and all of those things, making music together in our hearts. That's like a spin class. Now, a spin class at a gym um, is you take that lonely um, treadmill experience and you get off the treadmill and you walk into a room where there's a bunch of these stationary bikes. And everyone is doing all of it together. Now, there's still an element where you're beside some strangers but you've all committed to taking the class with this teacher. And so you, um, afterwards, you know, you're like, <laughs> my gosh, that was, hey, I noticed you were, you've been doing this for a while. You look like you're hardly even breaking a sweat. How long have you been doing it? And you begin to talk to each other. And they're willing to listen because you've both committed yourselves to something. Uh, it, it's, um, it's, a, it's a step from, from the gym and the treadmill to spin, ultimately, to the ultimate experience. Um, Some people are newer in it. Some people are skilled. Others have been around a long time, but people smile and they encourage one another. Our church has a form of spin classes. We call them growth groups. So um, people have a common goal for going a little bit further. I honestly don't think this room uh, on a Sunday morning is the safe place to feel like you can admonish one another or be admonished by. You know what? Eh, I'm just not quite ready for that. But a group of three or four or five or six people where you've been meeting for weeks at a time and they've begun to get to know you and you've got to get to know them. um, And you find a time and a place that's convenient and you have common language. I like that the text says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, why does it say that? Should we have in our growth groups hymnals and you guys should sing to each other? No. Um, and, but why did they say that? Because that's all they had. See, when the book of Colossians was written, the same with the book of Philippians and Thessalonians and those things, there was no New Testament. They hadn't written it yet. The Gospels got written after Paul was writing to his churches. So they didn't have Scripture. They had songs. They had songs that, they, that one church sang and, they, and then another one sang, just like we do. We sing the same songs that other churches sing, and, uh, and they had some of the psalms. But Colossians is a Greek town. They are not going to have the Old Testament. They're not going to read it in Hebrew. So all they have are these songs and hymns and things. We have more than that. We have Scripture. But, um, you know, what's great about Scripture is that it has incorporated some of those songs. So, do you know, um, there's a famous text in Philippians chapter 2 that um, you may not know right off, but it would sound familiar, where it says, Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, and he took on the form of a servant. And being found in human form, he humbled himself even further, even to the point of death on a cross. And because of this, his father exalted him so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's a song that they sang in the, in the early church. And Paul took it and made a photocopy of it and stuck it in his New Testament text to the Philippians or something like that. But... Um, <clears throat> It, and, 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 and it's just like a song. As soon as you get to it, it's so familiar. It's so easy. Uh, and um, so that's what, that's what this text is saying. Use that common language that, you've had, that you have. You know, you can say, you know, at Stonebridge, I know our vision statement is something. And uh, our, our mission statement is this other thing. Uh, but, you know, I know at Stonebridge, we just love that we have new people. Whatever that common language is, you can use that. In, in our growth groups. Um, so here in verse 16, all of us together are encouraged to let God's living word be in us. Not live in me, in us. Let the wisdom of Christ dwell in all of us together. I think Jesus would be more comfortable on an ultimate field than on a treadmill in the gym. I think he'd he'd be in a growth group. So here's the next step for you. Decide to commit or recommit to a growth group in the new year. Now, we're kind of taking a break between now and the growth groups are kind of wrapping up at the end of this uh, series. And we'll take a little break uh, through the holidays. But back in in January, you know, we're going to have alpha classes, financial peace um, with Dave Ramsey. Um, The next sermon series will have a uh, will be just like this one with growth groups involved. You've got a month and a half to think about it and say, you know what, I think I'd like to, I'd like to take that step. I'd like to be a part of a group or I'm going to stay a part of our group. So I want to speak to those uh, who are kind of new here. You are free to worship all by yourself. We hope that we present a, a warm, welcoming place where you can be by yourself and no one's going to bug you. Um, you don't have to shake my hand on your way out. You don't have to go to the hub uh, like the video says. Um, but there are friendly people at the Hub, and at some point, if you want to know more about us, take the blue card, fill it out, give us your email, and we'll be in touch. Um, But until then, you're just welcome to be. But let me just ask those of us who've been here for a while, those of us who have been here for a long time, uh, are you different than you were a year ago? Are you different than you were 10 years ago? I hope if you ask me, Neil, what's God done in your life? I hope I only have to go back a week or so. I hope I only have to go back a month. I have a friend who has grown a lot, but when I first knew her, um, she would say, if you said, what's God been doing in your life? she says, oh my gosh. And she would now tell you about a trip she took to a foreign country 10 years ago where she had amazing experiences and, and God saved her from dangerous situations and she brought the gospel to people who had never heard it. That's awesome. What's he done for you lately? Are you growing? Are you on an ultimate team? Or are you still an individual? Um, I ask because it's possible for us not to Change. I'm grateful for our text that tells us to teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Wisdom is not knowledge. We can know a lot and not have gotten any wiser, not have changed, not have grown. So, don't settle. This verse calls us to a deeper, stronger, more interactive relationship with Christ. Let's have that. We just have to get on the field. Uh, We just have to get back in the game.